Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on-topic or on-premise and on-location, on-premises. Now that's been a little hard during the pandemic, but here we are in Silicon Valley with another on-premises, on-premise episode. This week's premise relates to storage security. We're here at Storage Field Day, and one of the things that occurred to the delegates was, frankly, that storage isn't all that secure. In fact, it's really, really insecure. But before we get into that too much, let's meet who's on the panel today. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Powers. I am a founder and chief janitor at Geekazine.com, and I am a co-founder of Build Day Live. I'm Erika Signoretti. Um, I work for Geekyama as a data storage analyst, and you can find me on Twitter as uh, eSignoretti. I'm Andrea Mauro. I'm an IT architect and a blogger, part-time blogger. You can find me at theinfrastructure.it. Uh, so, uh, for years, we've uh, in people in storage have known that storage is the biggest uh, or the weakest link in security. It seems like uh, security is very tightly coupled to networking. Uh, it's also somewhat tightly coupled to applications and operating systems and so on. But it seems like storage is the last thing people think about when it comes to security. <laughs> and yet, uh, as a wise man said, the hackers aren't trying to get into your network. They're trying to get into your data. That's where, the, uh, that's where all the value is. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Enrico, I'm going to start with you, uh, since like me, you know, we've been in this industry a long time. <laughs> How secure is storage these days? Well, actually, storage is not secure. I mean, in general terms, I think that people, uh, users and administrators think about, you know, uh, as you said, the security and network uh, go along together, but they don't think enough about, about security. I raised this problem million times lately about uh, uh, the fact that uh, you know we, we are taking each single problem as a you know each sec a single security problem like now ransomware everybody talks about ransomware they don't think about ransomware as a, you know uh, as part of a larger problem i mean th these attacks are very long people don't think about the uh, the, the fact that you can uh, you know you you have been attacked 200 days before the, the ransomware uh, shows up. So what did they do in these days? Maybe they copied your data. Maybe they had the other thing. So I always talk about building a data security strategy now, and uh, that has to be part of a larger data management strategy now. But uh, but it doesn't happen. And uh, we, we saw it multiple times also during this storage field day, but in general, I mean, th this is a huge problem in the industry. The, the network is, uh, and security are very co correlated, uh, but uh, somehow is uh, because uh, they are also a data path uh, where data can flow or uh, a path where uh, attack can come when uh, we talk about remote attack. But uh, hardening uh, the, the data the data infrastructure is uh, very important, but also very difficult because uh, for the storage, uh, data is uh, the main service that uh, should be somehow provided. And uh, you can try to provide in clear or uh, maybe in encrypted way or in somehow where the application like 
database where uh, single uh, row or single table are uh, encrypted and try to secure some pieces of uh, the information. But still, uh, there are some layers where uh, the information are in, in a clear way. For example, uh, the, the, the most uh, stupid way from the, the security point of view is just to use a SED for uh, encrypted data at the disk level. Okay, for the hardware attack, if uh, I, I had a physical attack and some, somebody stole the disk, it, it can be effective, but uh, from other layer, I have the data in clear. So is uh, always uh, try to find the path of the data, and for each uh, level, try to put uh, some kind of uh, prevention that is not so easy, or uh, remediation like uh, all the data protection solution that already exist, but uh, they came later, you already had the attack and uh, still uh, some damage uh, or uh, effect from this attack. And then of course the biggest thing is that data, the one thing about storage is that anything from a ransomware or, or hack or anything like that can lie in wait. And with storage, you know, you could take a storage, you could take a disk out, you could set it to the side, and then you think, oh, I can actually use that in this array, I can bring this over here. You could have uh, old LTO tapes that you need to pull a backup off of. You need to have, you, you take all the uh, hard drives and, and then you'll give them to employees or sell them to employees because you're not going to use them anymore. And then that data, not only do things like anything like a ransomware attack or anything like that could go with the employee, but if you don't clean the drives or do what you need to do, that your data could actually escape out of your campus and, and uh, go into somebody's computer while they're playing uh, farm whatever, and and uh, and that can be just as dangerous as uh, as somebody trying to get in. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I used to work in a very secure financial industry, and uh, we had massive, massive data protection and security controls. We used encryption. Uh, we had very good authentication and, and access controls. And every day we would back up all the data in plain text on tapes and leave them in a box on the front desk mm -hmm. for some, uh, somebody we didn't know to come and take them away. And it's like, what? You know? <laughs> but you know, that's maybe not how it's done these days, but maybe it is how it's done these yeah, days. Yeah, because if you think at uh, backup in the cloud, uh, mostly are just considered, OK, the cloud uh, is, uh, the data are encrypted, uh, the channel is secure, there is uh, HTTPS, but you send data that maybe are not encrypted. So you, every time you have to think where the data flows and how you can protect them. I think in general there is this perception, or, or, or better, I mean, we don't have uh, full visibility on our data. So wh when I talk with my clients, uh, it happens most of the time that they have you know, different type of systems distributed now. Uh, some of them are in the cloud, some are on-premises. They don't have full visibility. They don't have even an idea of how many copies of the same files they have distributed in their organization, outside the organization, and, and so on. So the, the first thing is that you have to think about this visibility, because without it, you can't do anything. And when you have the visibility, then you can start to plan you know, against it. So uh, now that I see where the data is, what I have, what it is, and uh, what can I do with it? I mean, so starting analysis, starting... Uh, analyzing how the data is uh, accessed, and, and all these kind of things. It's not easy. I mean, as we saw 
this this week, uh, thinking about, for example, uh, the guys at Racktop. Okay, so they designed a, a very sophisticated system, but actually, uh, it's just for the system, so it's not global. I mean, I like what they do, and and of course, if you if you have you know a, a subset of your information that you know has to run in a very secure way, that's good. But actually, even if their solution is very good and provides visibility, provides you know. Uh, access pattern uh, analysis and a few other things. I mean, we, we, we don't have a solution today that covers everything. I mean, and, and this is the first problem. The other problem is, you know, most of this analysis that you do today, like, ah, we are analyzing that, you know, people are accessing the data, uh, so they are doing it in the wrong way, or they are encrypting the files, then we react, okay? But uh, this same analysis could be applied to many other things. So not just ransomware. So uh, I, I love when, when vendors say, "Ah, we have you know ransomware protection. We use machine learning to understand what you do." Okay, so you can use the same machine learning to learn much more of your data than you, you do today. And then there is the reaction part. I mean, what you do when you learn about something? Okay, uh, and that's you know another problem with a, a set of solution, of course. So there are several. Uh, way to tackle this. There are several uh, also solutions in the market. Unfortunately, most of them are not integrated. So there, there are layers upon layers of complexity that we have to manage. But actually, it's possible. Yeah, and, and the biggest problem, of course, is data is something that's held by the user, uh, the person that is not a security expert and uh, just wants to get their work done. And, uh, and I, I see so many different ways that, that that information, I hate, I hate bring your own device to work because that is a great way for data to leak out into and uh, from, from a secure environment to a non-secure area. And uh, I, 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 I fear to see what we do things, you know, like for instance, I look at video and I look at deep fakes, being able to put Tom Cruise's face on my head. Uh, well, can we do that with data as well? Can we make data deep fakes? Uh, and what other security issues do we have to start thinking of for the future that we haven't? Yeah. I think that if we look at the problem that many countries have now, I mean, many organizations in different countries think about GDPR, think about you know, other, um, other regulations that are you know, uh, now uh, very common in Europe as well in the US, so uh, protecting better, you know, access to data, especially personal information. So, uh, you know, the, the same problems applies. I mean, if I uh, go to a vendor and I ask, look, I want to know what you know about me, it's very difficult today. And so we need, we need to implement this tool just to know what is happening, what, you know, uh, what we know about, uh, about the user, but actually, uh, you know, the same mechanisms are necessary to understand your data. So mm -hmm. you, you can make, instead of a, a simple query about a single person, you can make a, a more, much more sophisticated query. So just to, to learn, for example, how many, how many non-encrypted uh, social uh, security numbers are we storing in our system? That should be zero, right? Mm -hmm. Theoretically. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, if you start coming up with documents that are you know, readable that, that contain this data, you should be worried because this is an information that should be not available to anybody, probably. So, uh, or, or you have to check if you have the right uh, uh, access to it. 
So th this is, you know, a very complex problem. Uh, we are starting now to understand uh, and ransomware. Uh, so the, the, the positive, you know, the positive side, if there is any, of ransomware is that uh, it's starting to, you know, uh, to build a, a, a culture in, in, the, in the companies. So they are more aware that there are these security risks. Because, yes, in the past we had, you know, huge data breach, huge, you know, uh, attacks in large organization. And you say, ah, you know, if somebody attacks, you know, a multi-billion company, I'm not nobody, nobody will come to me. But actually, ransomware demonstrated that even if you are a small, actually, if you are a small business, less budget, you are more attackable than, than a, you know, a major corporation. So everybody starts to think about this thing. And uh, they are starting asking for solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even um, for what it's worth, uh, even little Gestalt IT, uh, we had a spear phishing attack against us the other day. Uh, it was pretty poorly handled, and the staff uh, recognized it and didn't fall for it. But um, the idea that somebody would attack a tiny company like us is pretty scary, isn't well, it? In some cases, it's just practice. I remember my first attack. It was many years ago, and the and the kid was lived. He lived in Canada. And, and then I didn't know what to do, so I did the wrong thing, and then I locked myself out of uh, what I needed to do, and I had to start from scratch. Luckily, I didn't build enough of a business to worry about it too much, but I learned that some of these people, they're just doing script kitty type stuff. They're learning because they don't know what else to do. So they figure, okay, this, is, this, might, be a, this might be a career for me, so if I hurt a few people along the way, so what? You know, at least I'm learning and I'm building from there. All, all data can, can be somehow critical or uh, interesting for uh, attackers because uh, also one single uh, outside the company can maybe have uh, a copy of uh, his uh, ID or something that can, can really be useful in the dark web uh, where uh, identities uh, or uh, other type of data or only the, the address that uh, you have uh, in uh, in every in every email client uh, are also interesting. So everybody can be somehow attacked mm -hmm. for uh, the data. There are other reasons why everybody can be attacked, but uh, we are talking about data. And uh, yeah, found where are your data? How the data are protected? How many copy? This is one step, but. Uh, there are some limitations, for example, in the permission that you can uh, grant of the data because the permission are, are not useful for protect data. If you permit somebody to re read the data, it can also copy and uh, is not uh, so good in, in, the, in the way of uh, you want to protect data. For some application, you can already make those kind of locking uh, or define the permission of copy, print, uh, modify, uh, and track every change. But uh, as Enrico said, is something vertical. Uh, there are a lot of solutions that are not integrated. And also, you have to consider the, the, the storage part, because still there is somehow, somewhere, somehow, is one or more storage, and we learn that uh, attackers are also going to the storage uh, level uh, and try to. There's to always going to be a loophole somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And let's let's focus in on that. So uh, rather than, uh, I mean, I think that a lot of us uh, see some of these issues, especially in IT, 
but this is storage field day. You guys are storage experts. Uh, I've heard a couple of things already in this conversation that I think might open some eyes of people who don't really know storage. So for example, we heard about the idea of, uh, you know, oh, the, this disk is encrypted. Well, somebody needs to access the data so I can get in on the operating system level and read the data anyway. We heard uh, about- Fiber channel is uh, yeah. totally <laughs> unencrypted. There are yeah. some devices to encrypt the connection, but uh, you have a lot of paths where uh, the, the channel is not secured. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same with a lot of these things. So, I mean, some of the other things we heard about was uh, secondary storage and data protection uh, that can help you with ransomware. But basically, if it has a copy of the data, then that also is an opportunity for somebody to exfiltrate that data. Uh, one of the things as well that we that we are concerned about in storage. So, so let's focus on what storage people are concerned about. So, storage people are concerned um, about yeah direct access to storage media. You're concerned about snooping on the channels, you know, getting in from the operating system underneath the permissions layer. The backup example and, is yeah, really interesting because for most of the backup solution, for example, you have a backup from storage snapshot, and maybe you are trying to use a storage snapshot to make something little close to immutability or fast recovery or something that nobody can modify, but from there, probably you can access the data and maybe delete the snapshot. Yeah. And the, uh, one thing that we really miss is the fact that many, many enterprises, many organizations don't really think about uh, data security until it's too late. So nobody verifies, uh, you know, the the security stance of uh, uh, his organization. I mean, so you have to start and you know ask questions and. Uh, and you know, not just because the vendors now are really keen in selling you ransomware protection. Uh, th that's because you know it's in the news. But but actually, really, so is this enough? Is uh, do we even ransomware protection? Are you protecting all your data? Are you protecting the you know something that is critical? Is it uh, uh, sometimes I, I I see very very. You know, stupid pitches that from vendors, and they say, I, "We we do ransomware protection," which is now, you know, a checkbox. So everybody does ransomware protection now, but nobody, for example, <laughs> talks about yeah. I mean, so they talk about protection and non-prevention first of all, yeah. and uh, and no, and very few. I mean, we we had a couple of good examples also at the last uh, Cloudfield Day, but very few talk about look. Let's talk about prevention. Let's talk. On, let's check what you are doing with your data. Let's analyze what you have, how you use it, so that we can understand. Because yes, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, ACLs. I mean, um, yeah, the, the possibility to access the data. Okay, because we want to access the data, of course. But is the right person that is accessing yep. the data? Is the right group? Is the? I mean, and uh, and again, we. It's not so. It's a. Uh, it's part product solutions, but part is you know our processes, our way to think about data and how to to to, to reason around it. So uh, this this is the you know huge change in mentality that everybody, including storage administration administrator, uh, have to do. I mean, uh, uh, that, that's the most important thing at the moment. The most interesting thing is uh, I kept thinking about as you were talking. It's like I get to pick up the phone. It's like, hello, and they say. Hey, uh, we'd like to ex uh, find a way to extend your uh, ransomware policy. <laughs> oh. 
But the biggest, the biggest problem is uh, then uh, ultimately is we have to deal with how the user gets the data. And uh, whether it be through the cloud, whether it be uh, in some secure way, in, in an unsecure way, whether they're trying to copy files uh, because they're going on a trip and they're not going to be near an internet access to be able to work on their files, or just simply opening up an email saying, hey, you know, extend your car warranty and you click here and boom, next thing you know, you've got, you've got an attack going on all of your data. Being able to create that snapshot, being able to head that off, that off before anything gets uh, completely uh, infected in your area, create the snapshot so when you do go under attack, you can bring it back before you lose the million dollars a day that, you, that your company makes uh, and of course would ultimately lose if they were to go down for the day. And, well, and let me just point out here too that the big elephant in the room that we storage people know that a lot of uh, normal people don't know is administrative access and yeah. administrative, you know. So as Enrico was saying, ACLs. Well, who controls the ACLs and who can change the ACLs? I mean, if you've got root on the server, you can act, give yourself access. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, what you were just saying, snapshots and you know, data protection and so on. Uh, again, this comes up a lot in storage discussions, but it doesn't come up a lot in security discussions. And that is that things like snapshots and replication and administrative access and even sort of remote administration of machines and remote access to upgrade machines and all this kind of stuff, all of that is a, a back channel to get into the data that people aren't aware of. So I really want to zoom in on that because that's something we were talking about earlier today. Uh, how the storage admin can be exploited or the storage admin access can be exploited to basically do all the things you guys have been talking about this whole time. I mean, think about it. You can wipe data out with a snapshot restore. You can, you know, all these things can happen through the administrative interface. You have to start the, with, the, oh, sorry. On the same token, your snapshots can be just as dangerous as the storage itself. Uh, we are, we're always taught, okay, our, our backup plan is to have a multi-tiered backup, you know, that uh, that's a week, a day, a month, a year out. But then you create all these snapshots and you don't deal with the snapshots after the fact that you don't need them anymore. They sit there and they can be attacked in their own way because either you forgot about them or your company says that we want we need to keep them for some god-known reason or anything like that and then if somebody realizes hey we can attack this door instead of attacking the main door the, right. this is yeah. again on, on the you know security stance of your organization so who controls the controllers and in this case it's the administrator for example so you have to put in place mechanisms and processes that you know uh, think about data first so and the administrator is one of the you know uh, different uh, types of uh, uh, person that can access data so you, you have to think about it you have to think about sometimes we are talking goes about uh, you know uh, still today we, we have access problems to our data that could be reconduced to you know bad behaviors uh, how many times you know uh, people uh, just uh, uh, follow the, the the easy path, so they don't have two-factor authentication, for mm -hmm. example, no? or things like that. And with all the social engineering uh, that is happening now, so you are on Facebook and they ask you stupid questions, my jokes, you know, yep. uh, uh, your dog is is uh, last thing you ate. Yeah, last thing yeah. you ate, or you know, the, your preferred uh, your preferred food. They, they they are collecting data about you. I mean, and. And, and then you use the same stuff as a password, you know, so the same answer that you give to these guys, 
as password without a second level of authentication. So back to the administrator part, I mean, are these administrators you know, uh, using the right procedures to access their system? Are they doing you know, the right things? And is the rest of the organization applying the same rules? Mm -hmm. Because two-factor authentication is not as common as it should be. No, I wonder actually how many storage devices even support two-factor for administrative access, let alone yeah. it have actual any kind of use of it. Yeah, and, but also two-factor authentication or some kind of strong authentication can be very useful. But also you need some, some way to have a, a great separation of privilege who can do, for example, a snapshot, who can do the uh, encryption, and uh, have the possibility to have user totally separated. In, in this way, you can provide a different level of protection. Some storage, for example, are implementing immutable uh, uh, snapshot just uh, because the administrator is no, not able to do something. The idea that uh, I'm, a root, I'm a root or admin and I can do everything, I'm God, is not uh, the, the, the right approach, neither on data, neither on operating system. And uh, this also can, must be considered if uh, we want to have strong authentication, strong user, but user that can do what they should do because also which kind of data, which kind of uh, access as uh, an administrator maybe should be limited on what they, they, they must done. Road-based access control. Yeah, everywhere. But again, we, in many cases, we have these controls. Like, so imagine, I, I, think, it, I think there are certainly systems that have two-factor authentication. Yep. There are systems that have role-based access control. There are systems that have uh, strongly enforced uh, access control to data. There are systems that have all these things. How many people are using those things versus turning them off? Because I suspect that a lot of systems have a lot of these systems, this stuff turned off. Well, I'm going to add one more to that, and that is fake second uh, authentication. Giving you a secondary authentication, but then giving you a limited list. It's like having a uh, password, but you can't use uh, numbers or can't use special characters. And then you're given, uh, there's one site that I, that I love that gives you the two-factor authentication, which you've got to answer your security questions. But the security questions is a drop-down list of 10, 10 options. So this person has one out of 10 to figure out what, what you're going to say on that instead of you putting in something very uh, unique. And I, I like to keep things as unique as possible, as long as possible. Yeah. One time password. <laughs> exactly. And even or, then, uh, though, no, not one time, but a lot of the time, this stuff can be overridden by the vendor's administrative access. Yes, so there again, I mean, you think about it like that way. I mean, if you, oh, you know, I'm social engineer Amazon to get into your AWS S3 account, and suddenly, or how many storage does have a super administrator user that mm -hmm. you formally don't know as a user, uh, as a customer, but uh, when some issue appears, oh, I, I went there, super user, and uh, I can you, fix you, this. You know, sometimes what I find, and I think that we are all lazy, if, you, you know, I was a system administrator, so, and I was trying all the time to simplify my life. 
And now that we have a lot of automation everywhere, because the infrastructure are big, so we try to automate, script everything. Mm -hmm. But actually, distributing and maintaining certificates is quite you know, uh, complicated, especially if you don't have the budget to have the right, right solution. So you start removing some of these things to, to make everything easier. So to automate, to simplify your work, to, to do more, you remove you know, many of these uh, controls, and then you are even more exposed so we are actually doing the contrary of what we are talking here today. So, I mean, in general, again, I think we we should more work more. It's not the so the storage that it's not secure. Actually, so uh, storage is just a component of the infrastructure, and by its nature, has to be accessible. We have to do a data security, and we should be you know, really concerned about our data and not uh, the storage itself. And what we lose, to what we don't have today, is a data security strategy. And that's it. Okay. So actually, that was a really good summary, I think, Enrico, of your position. Do you guys want to give us a summary of your position? It was perfect. Yeah? Uh, I, think we're, I think we're good. I just have to watch for all the, all the holes and try to fill all the holes, because there's always going to be somebody that's uh, that's uh, looking to specifically look for something. You're going to look for somebody that's uh, that's just doing it in spite, maybe in hate or something like that. Uh, they, you did them wrong or something like that, or somebody's just treating it like an escape room, where they want to get uh, that diamond out of the uh, out of the machine, and they they find the way to do that because that's what they're learning how to do. All right, so let's do a quick lightning round. I'm going to surprise you guys. I didn't warn them about this. Uh, tell me one thing that is not in the public consciousness about storage security that, that, that would shock people listening to this, okay? I'm going to give you a second to think about it, and while I, well, I'm going to say one. So in my opinion, I think the one thing that would shock people about storage security is the fact that most vendors have traditionally put in a backdoor super user account with a fixed password in most storage solutions that allows them to basically bypass everything you think you know about your system and get into all the data on that system. And this is one of those things that we don't talk about a lot, uh, but it's totally true that a lot of storage systems have had that kind of access. Anybody else? What do you, what do you think? What's a shocking thing, Andrea? No, I was saying the, the same thing before, that uh, those super user account exist, and uh, somehow you, you you can get inside the processor and, uh, and, and control the entire data path, and uh, that's terrible, potentially. Um, most of the vendors use the same uh, protocol stacks, so they, they come from <laughs> the same sources, and if somebody has a bug, probably everybody has a bug. And you know, sometimes nobody uh, you know, takes the time to patch these bugs. And this is interesting because there are also the open source libraries, uh, or uh, the common set of libraries, mm -hmm. we know how somehow open source is not so secure when uh, it's not uh, well uh, managed or well controlled. And uh, yeah, some libraries can be everywhere, and uh, we know OpenSSL uh, with uh, two major bugs in the past. That, that's, uh, that was uh, weird, but... Uh, and also, storage stuff tends to be pretty obscure. So yeah. You don't have as many eyes on the open source as you might think you do. So, Jeffrey? Mine is that storage is everywhere. It could be in the server room. It could be on the computers on the, on the people's desks. It can be in the copier. 
It can be in the fax machine that you put into the storage uh, uh, cabinet because you're not using it anymore. It could be in the phone systems. It could be anywhere. They, they, where Anywhere that data can be stored in any way, shape, or form, that can be something that can be used to turn around and have somebody steal your data. Can I add one more? Just because poverty in my mind, FTP. How many people <laughs> use still use? How many enterprise mission critical enterprise processes in large organizations still use FTP? Not not even SFTP, FTP. Yeah, but also for support from some vendor, they required to send uh, through FTP. So, that's that's absolutely, and and it's so true, and it and that's the thing. So 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 listeners, thank you for joining us. Thank you for hearing our. Uh, Concern. We're trying to raise the flag here that storage <laughs> really isn't as secure as you think it is. Uh, we are in the industry and we know it, and uh, we would love it to be better, but um, for a variety of reasons, it's not. Um, so, so thank you guys for joining us. This has been a, lot, a wonderful conversation. I know we could continue this forever. Uh, where can we connect with you and continue the conversation? Uh, Jeffrey Powers, Geekazine, Think Magazine, put in the geek. That's my Twitter handle. Uh, Enrico Signoretti, we, you can find me by you know, searching my name on Google. There are not many Enrico Signoretti if you're working in storage. Andrea underscore Mauro on Twitter uh, and on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, uh, there are a few, but uh, you can find me. <laughs> and Instagram. And Instagram, okay. yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't use it for, uh, for professional, yeah, yeah. Uh, j just for fun, <laughs> like Facebook. But uh, <laughs> Well, there's a whole other security. Yeah, <laughs> I try to separate the, the user and the scope uh, for this reason. <laughs> exactly. And as for me, you can find me at S. Foskett on Twitter. Uh, I'm Stephen Foskett, uh, publisher of Gestalt IT and uh, uh, organizer of the Tech Field Day events. Uh, check out the Storage Field Day event that we recently held in uh, hybrid. Uh, both in California and virtual. And also, uh, you'll find a lot more of me talking about storage and other topics at gestaltit.com. So thank you for joining us for the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your favorite application. Give us a, a rating and review wherever that happens to be. And maybe uh, give us a shout out. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For more episodes, uh, go to gestaltit.com slash podcasts.